Hello. Welcome to CXO Talk. I'm Michael Craigsman, and this is episode number 43. As always, I am joined with my very friendly, and you notice I'm not saying anything sarcastic or snide today, the very friendly, and believe me, it is hard, Vala Offshore. Vala <laughs> Offshore! Michael, great to How are you? I'm doing great. Good. And uh, Vala, we have a very interesting guest today. We have an amazing guest today. An amazing guest? Yes, please. Who is Mike Kyle, who is the Chief Information Officer at Netflix. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hey, great, guys. Happy to be part of this. Yeah, thank Excellent. you so much. Before we begin, Vala on, and everybody, on April 22nd, we're going to do a live CXO talk in New York City and with, in conjunction with CIO Magazine. And we would love to have an interesting chief marketing officer or chief digital officer join us on stage. So we have a group of CIOs. And so, of course, we want a CDO. And or, or, yeah, CDO or a CMO. Or a yeah. CDO or a CMO. And so if you are interested or want to nominate somebody, then please get in touch. And the only thing we should warn the CMO is there's probably 250 to 300 CIOs in the room. So get ready for a good spirited conversation. Yeah, so if you're not prepared for a good spirited conversation, don't sign up. But Mike, let's jump in and tell us about Netflix. I think everybody knows who Netflix is, but tell us about Netflix and then briefly about your background. Sure, so um, hopefully everybody knows the brand by now. I think we've had a, a good year, and people are excited about House of Cards Season 2 coming out on next Friday, which is Valentine's Day. Awesome. So, uh, my role here is I'm responsible for all of internal IT, so that's campus networking, uh, cloud infrastructure, enterprise applications and platforms, um, supporting our marketing team for ad tech and in the real-time bidding and programmatic buying area, uh, HRIS with Workday HCM and Expense, and then Financials ERP, moved, we just recently moved uh, from Oracle to Workday Financials, as well as uh, Workday Payroll. So a pretty broad range of technologies I'm responsible for, and I have a team of about 125, 130 today, and growing. Wow. And how big, how big, how many uh, employees does Netflix have right now? I think we're just under 1,400 between um, small office in D.C., here in Los Gatos, and then Beverly Hills. I, as I was researching uh, for the show, I mean, amazing stats about Netflix. You know, one in four Americans subscribe to Netflix. Um, you know, and the diversity on how they watch Netflix is interesting. Half watch on computer screens. A quarter watch on smartphones and and, and tablets. Um, it, it was 33 percent of all home broadband internet traffic in the U.S. generated by Netflix Video. So it's just amazing company, an amazing you know player in the cloud. And you just mentioned a bunch of you know cloud uh, SaaS solutions that you and your team manage uh, internally uh, for internal IT within Netflix. Can you talk to us a little bit about your you know your your approach in terms of and your philosophy regarding cloud computing. Sure, so I think uh, Nick Carr first wrote about it in what, 2004 with the big yeah. switch and how it's really uh, becoming commoditization and it's much like electricity. So you want electricity, you don't build your own power plant so mm -hmm. you want to have computing and storage resources 
you shouldn't build out a bunch of data centers if that doesn't make sense. If that's not your core business, and ours is providing great entertainment. So uh, fueling the new uh, family dinner of a family of four watching content on their iPads is what we need to focus on. So then do I, how do I apply that to uh, enterprise IT? So I don't want my teams focused on procuring hardware and network infrastructure and storage systems when it's readily available even in either SaaS or public cloud. So then I can provide great service much more agilely instead of you know, the long cycles of procurement, racking, stacking, configuring. I can just configure and move. So, so, so your philosophy really is very intensely uh, focused on cloud wherever possible. Absolutely. So it's either use best of breed SaaS applications or where we want to do our own, uh, do some custom application development and deploy that on public cloud. Was that the mindset? Was that mindset already there? I mean, you've been with Netflix what three plus years? Yeah. So I think the mindset has has definitely been on the streaming side, but I don't think it was ever really thought about for enterprise IT. Okay. So enterprise IT has always been about you know, obviously we need to have laptops and tablets and physical devices on premises, but then how do I leverage other resources and look at things differently? Um, I think that's a perspective I brought here. Did, did that require, uh, you know, retooling, training, um, and 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 not only changing mindset but the skill set of the internal IT organization? You mentioned 120 some odd resources. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? That 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 transformation? Sure. So I think you know one great thing about uh, Netflix is, uh, for those familiar with our 126 page culture deck. We hire really talented people, and, and you know a lot of people say that. I mean, I really mean it. And uh, one trait, or there's two really great traits that my employees have: intellectual curiosity, so wanting to expand the horizons, and then continuous involvement. So if you think about cloud computing, is not um, a huge shift in thinking, but you have to think about architectures differently. How do you secure something that you don't have physical control over? And when you deploy applications, how do you handle resiliency and latency once again when you don't have full control of everything? So it's, it's letting go um, and just you know, having people that want to think differently about um, infrastructure and architectures. So you said intellectual curiosity and was it con con continuous evolvement? Was that? Yeah, so I think. You have to be able to, especially in Netflix, we're a very dynamic organization. So it's not like I have a bunch of people doing one thing all day. So you don't just update DNS, for example. So how do you just continually expand your skill set and look at different and new technologies? And you know, we have a great vantage point here and autonomy to do and, and live in the future to some degree or at least drive the future. Can you talk a little bit about your hiring process? I mean. Uh, you have a great brand, great company, growing. You know, it's it's awesome company. But is there anything unique about how you how you recruit, how you interview, um, and how you make sure there's a cultural fit uh, with new candidates that you bring to to your organization? Sure. So we have a, an internal talent team that helps us uh, with both sourcing candidates and then also setting context early about the culture and and what it means to work here. 
So recruiting is really hard. The Valley's hot. There's a bunch of great companies to work for. Yeah. I think this is you know the best one to be at, but people have different goals. So it's, it's having conversations and making connections, whether it's social media, going to conferences. You know, I, I use the, uh, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Roth, you know, always be recruiting mantra. So anytime you meet somebody, you don't have to give them a hard sell, but you should talk about why the Netflix culture is great, what, what is different about it, and at least get them thinking about wanting to be here. Right. And then once we find a candidate, we probably put equal, if not greater value on the cultural fit versus technical. You know, I go into the interview assuming that if somebody's been working for 5 to 15 plus years that they have the technical chops, but do right. they really understand what it means to operate as a fully formed adult in, in a culture that doesn't have micromanaging? So the one thing I say to every candidate is if you need a lot of daily direction and really enjoy micromanaging, being micromanaged, you won't have fun here. Over time, you'll start to flail because we set context, so the, the tagline out of the deck is context, not control. So if you want to operate with full autonomy, with great context, you will absolutely love it. So, so it sounds like the Culture Code deck really is a, a very living, real document that is part of the daily activities, especially as it relates to uh, hiring and probably other people-oriented uh, Intersections. It's, yeah, not, it's, not, it's not just a thing on paper or a slide deck, but it's, you live it every day. You know, it's really guiding principles on how you should operate every day, whether it's doing direct candid feedback in real time, which eliminates uh, a lot of, if not all of the politics that exist, unfortunately, in a lot of organizations, to how do you grow and how do you think about hiring uh, your own skill set and what you need to get done. So you come in three-plus years ago, and you realize internal IT needs to focus more towards multi-tenant cloud SaaS solutions. And you start, I suspect, over time, migrating on-premise solutions to the cloud. What advice do you have for CIOs that are going through the same process but at the beginning? What were some of the challenges and some of the obstacles that you had to overcome? Um, once again, I think you know, setting context for everybody about why we're doing this hmm. is the key to success. So, you know, a goal without any reason to have that goal is, is fought for failure. So doing that early and then having a good, clear plan that is agile enough to, to handle the bumps in the road that you can't just say, I'm going to... Everybody wants to say, I'm moving to the cloud, but what is actually... What does that mean? I don't want to forklift existing apps and put them in cloud just to do it. So it gives you a good chance to look at all of your processes. Is this the right application? Is, it, is this the right technology? And take a fresh look at a bunch of different areas that people may not even think about, such as your financial system. Hmm. So just because you've used the same system for 15 to 20 years, um, you know, things have changed. It might not be as efficient as it once was. So really looking at improving business efficiency is something you can do in conjunction with moving to cloud. So, you know, I'm, I'm really stuck in this idea of the culture code and the impact on IT. And the reason is when I think of many of the IT folks that I know, not all of them, but many, and I think of the CIOs and I think of how they're trained and their education and the, the career path, 
it does not always lead to flexibility, but rather leads towards control rather than openness. And now you're advocating really almost the opposite. Isn't there a conflict there? Um, I don't see the conflict, but then I have not followed a traditional path into this role. So my background is a computer science degree from Iowa State a long time ago. And then things like DevOps and big data and cloud before they were cool buzzwords. So <laughs> I, was, I was super early, unfortunately, on a lot of it. And I wish I would have coined some of the terms. But I think, you know, once again, people need to take a fresh look. Like following what other people do doesn't interest me. Hmm. I think I, IT's charter should be, and it is here, to improve business efficiency, business efficiency and move the business forward versus trying to, uh, quote-unquote, protect your employees or prohibit them from doing X. And I, I'm not sure why that was ever a, a valid thought process. Well, can you talk to us a little bit about the growing demands of your stakeholders um, you know, within, within, within Netflix? How has some consumer technology <coughs> trends of mobile and social cloud apps changed the demand on internal IT at, at Netflix? So I think if you start at the network layer, people expect um, the same experience whether they're here at the office, whether at home, whether at a coffee shop or airport. So us moving to what's known as the Zero Trust Network this year will be the, the start of that. And then supporting a bunch of different applications that allow people to get their job done. And you know, the, people love to talk, um, in conjunction with cloud, they love to talk about mobile. Everything is mobile these days. Um, you know, I personally don't have an office here. I have a tablet and a MacBook and a Chromebook, and I carry that around, and I can operate wherever. So we, and then we also have a bunch of devices here, obviously, since the Netflix app runs on them. So the, the acronym that I blogged about a while ago was it really, instead of BYOD, it really should be UAD, which is use any device. Mm-hmm. Use the best device to get the job done, and we should support. We'll figure so, out do so in a secure manner, and make sure that you have great access to applications and data. So, when you're designing your systems, is that something that's foremost in your mind? Do you try to explicitly uh, set things up so that people can work off their devices as opposed to being in an office or a laptop? Yeah. So we try to remove uh, a bunch of friction wherever possible. So with respect to SaaS applications, we use one login to tie everything together via a single sign-on portal, uh, especially for the applications that support the SAML2 spec for security. So that way we have one place that people don't have to have a different password for every application they use. And that helps with onboarding and, and offboarding employees as well as the mobile experience. So you can access the application from your your tablet, phone, laptop, and once again have the same secure login experience. I mean, is this the greatest uh, you know opportunity for IT to serve the business, ensure optimal user experience, you know wherever you are? Uh, I mean, you said UAD, use any device, but any device, any location, wherever you are, all the mission critical business applications with you everywhere. Is, is that the best way to serve the business? I, yeah, and I think this is, there's never been a better time for IT to fix its reputation in the industry. Wow. Like, pivot out of being the blockers to the enablers and 
showed that you can deploy this great technology that's accessible anywhere in a very agile manner. You know, leverage cloud computing, leverage SaaS, leverage mobility, and then um, the final tenet of that is provide analytics to the teams that need it. So, so understand those I mean, analytics before they ask for them. So being proactive instead of reactive is another good time. So I mean, I mean, I totally get that. It's so intuitive. I mean, it's common sense. Although you know, sometimes common sense is not so common. But so why are CIOs under such scrutiny? I mean, uh, read a Gartner newsroom press release yesterday or the day before that. 25% of large uh, global organizations uh, will have a CDO appointed by next year. And a lot of that is you know, either promoting the CIO or replacing the CIO or having somebody else co-own the tech budget. Um, and then you know, CMOs have a lot of uh, uh, strategic play in terms of tech spend. So if this is the, right the best time for IT to fix his reputation, why are we hearing so much about you know, technology thought leadership shifting away from IT. Mike? All right. It's calling Mike. <laughs> That's what happens when your question is really long. Well, when you yeah, it gives a chance for, uh, for the guest to, to go get coffee and come back. Yeah, to time out. Um, let me see. <laughs> All right, we're oh, back. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Welcome back. Sorry about that. No problem. So Vala had asked Vala had asked an extremely long question, question <laughs> uh, but maybe try again, but shorter this time. I, I got most of it, so you can just repeat the the past for our guests. Yeah, you know, you said this is the best time for IT to improve its reputation, and yet everything I'm reading is scrutinizing the role of the CIO and talking about the emerging role of the chief digital officer and the power of the CMO. So why is that? Why do you think CIOs are not taking advantage of this great time for IT to fix its reputation? I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not the best um, person to ask about this since I take a completely different view. I think mm -hmm. it's really driven by fear. So I think you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and taking a, a hard stance or what you believe is the correct stance and moving forward and, and partnering with the rest of the business versus being um, at, at odds with them. So figure out how to partner with the CMO, understand and figure out how to provide solutions to them. So when so, you... That's so, good advice. Being, being comfortable with being uncomfortable I think is great advice. Well, yeah, and I'm particularly interested when you talk about being driven by fear. I think that that's absolutely right, but I think that that is rampant throughout business. But maybe talk a little bit more about the implications of what that means in for IT in general and what you're doing at Netflix to change that. You've spoken, you've written about high-performance IT, transformational CIOs, enterprise IT 3.0, and I'm assuming that all of this is, in a sense, uh, the, the antidote or more creative way of acting rather and relating to other departments rather than through fear. Yeah, so to answer the first part, I think the fear factor is really driven by, uh, unfortunately, some of the analysts. So everybody's been predicting the demise of the CIO and IT for, for as long as I can remember. So 
uh, I view that as a challenge, and I tend to just ignore them and move forward with what I think is right. And then what I've written about in you know, the transformation period, Enterprise IT 3.0, is really trying to get people to think differently and provide a framework, uh, both internally and externally, for people to do that. So um, lay out what I think is the right path, which may or may not be uh, correct, which I hope it is, but at least um, I'm going to try to you know, pioneer the way to get IT to a better reputation, both internally and externally, and along the way hopefully help some other CIOs and, and IT leaders. I mean, what are some of the challenges that you face when you're trying to introduce new, new innovation um, and, 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 and uh, when and when other stakeholders view traditional IT as just you know someone guardian of the infrastructure, uh, you know how do you go about introducing change and innovation within Netflix? Uh, I think you have to understand the switching costs and the the variable switching costs of technology with your employee base, mm -hmm. and then addressing that head on. So uh, we switched uh, from Exchange on premises to Google Apps last year. Right. And I wrote a long Google Doc memo outlining why I thought that was directionally correct, how to think about the switch, uh, what what applications to use as people wanted to move out of Outlook and not just into the Chrome browser. So setting deep context there and then providing great support and understanding, you know, working with different people and piloting it and really explaining why you're deploying the technology. I think a lot of times, unfortunately, IT departments de try to deploy new technology without ever communicating to the end user why they're doing it. So then people get frustrated because they don't understand it, they don't understand why, and I think that was probably one of the root causes of shadow IT. Hmm. Then employees decide that they'll go find their own app that they understand and that helps them do their job. So you know, once again, it's IT understanding the needs of the business both in near time and then trying to predict out like what the needs of the marketing team will be six to twelve months from now. But how do you so so what's your view on shadow IT? If if people inside the company are selecting their own apps, do you care? Do you mind? What do you think about that? Inside Netflix? Um, I only care from the fact that I'm disappointed that we should be providing it instead of ah. somebody finding it. So people should use the app to get the job done, and if there's a big need for it, IT should deploy it and provide it in our portal versus blocking it. So, but but you must be tempted at sometimes. I mean, even as lightened a CIO as you, must be tempted tempted at sometimes to uh, look at these departments and say, "Why the hell are they doing that? We supply this." <laughs> uh, honestly, never. Because really? that is completely <laughs> wrong philosophy to be successful. <laughs> if you want to be at odds with that department and then have a coup, that's a great approach. So you don't believe in this is this is interesting. So let me let me play devil's advocate for a moment then. So historically, the CIO role has been about control. I'm the protector. I, the CIO, am the protector of corporate assets and security and everything else and efficiency and saving money and therefore you guys are going to do what I tell you to do. Isn't I mean, Michael, that, you're that, fired. What's that? <laughs> Michael, you're fired. <laughs> oh my god. 
No, I think that's that's exactly you know, you my read the culture I book. Uh, yes, I didn't read the culture book there. No, I mean, I, I, who is it? I think I I just read an HBR blog. You know, control is for beginners. I think yeah, most most strategic CI. We've had so here's the common theme. Whether it was Kim Stevenson or Kristen, uh, 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 Russell, and other CIOs who've been on the show, they they talk about they want to learn from shadow IT because again, as as Michael said. Shadow IT is an opportunity for them to understand how they can improve the service they bring. To yeah, them. so so Kim Stevenson is the CIO of Intel. Kristen Russell is the CIO for the state of Colorado. And interestingly enough, their views mirror yours pretty exactly. That that shadow IT is an opportunity to understand what what the user community actually needs, right. and then to figure out where IT can support them better. And it seems that's exactly what you're saying. Right. Yeah, precisely. We have a question from uh, Dunn and Bradstreet on Twitter uh, for you, and the question is, what role does IT play in empowering employees via social media? So we, we have a social team internally, and one of the roles of my information security team is to make sure that we keep their social media accounts secure, as well as like our Facebook pages from being fished or, or spammed. So I think providing some level of security and monitoring is is a good um, approach for IT. Right, and of course you're one of the most uh, active, most social CIOs on Twitter. Um, have you set the tone for the rest of the IT organization? And do employees look at your activity on Twitter and they're inspired to participate in social media as well? Yeah, I think one of my directors said to me yesterday that her. Uh, her 2014 personal goal is to tweet more. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But I think you know Twitter is a good outlet. It's it's a good way to both share and ingest information, as well as I use it for a recruiting tool. Oh, you so you recruit through social media? Yeah, I think if I you know publish our our roadmap deck and get people excited about what we're doing here, right. which then you know attracts people to have intellectual curiosity, sure. and it's a virtuous cycle. Sure. Are they are they internal uh, enterprise social collaboration tools that, that that you use within Netflix? There are not. So I've okay. I've yet to understand the benefit of such a tool. Okay, that's interesting. Email is the is the lowest common denominator, and everything reverts back to email. So, and no plans to change. You, you're just not seeing the value of of these collaboration standalone collaboration tools. I, you know, we're a very much in-person culture, so I think a lot of collaboration happens in in person in real time. Okay. Huh, going going back to uh, the cloud for a moment, can you tell us a little bit more about your cloud, the cloud apps that you're using, and what did you migrate from? There's so many companies who are who are taking on these migrations or considering it, so it'd be really interesting to hear more about your experience. Sure. So I think one of the I mentioned we moved from Exchange to Google Apps, so both mail and and we use Google Docs pretty heavily as collaboration. Okay. So I, I can't imagine going back to a world where we mail a a Word document around, uh, much like the old token ring network. So you never never know who actually has the token or the master copy. So being able to work, you know, with with twenty to one hundred people on a doc is amazing. So mm -hmm. that was a that was a great move. And it got us out of the running exchange on-premises and hardware there. We most recently, like I said, moved from Oracle Financials to Workday Financials, which freed up a bunch of hardware 
and now we can apply new uh, new techniques to accounting and, and make some efficiency gains there. The other ones we use, um, we use Box for some cloud storage and collaboration, uh, both internally and externally, so as we exchange uh, digital assets. And then there's a few custom applications we're doing. So uh, legal contract management and revision control with full contextual search we're working on. Uh, a creative asset management tool for our creative marketing team. So managing uh, rights of assets and tracking that and knowing when like music rights expire is something that I think is a great tool that, that will help them, especially at a global scale, be much more efficient. Sure. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, you know how you support different lines of business, and uh, whether it's additional examples like you just mentioned for marketing or you know or sales or services or other functions? Sure. So um, a year ago, I was asked to figure out this real-time bidding uh, technology that's been fairly up and coming, and, and programmatic buying of uh, online display ads. So I'm running our ad tech platform, which helps all of our global marketing people with the programmatic buying and, and algorithms around buying display ads and, and presenting them in a much more informed manner. And then how do we get insight back and work with our data science and algorithms team on applying some of our algorithms? And, and if you are a member showing you a relevant ad about new content that we have coming, and if you're not a subscriber telling you why you should be and and just, you know, once again, providing great context to the external customer. So helping in the acquisition and retention departments. And we have a question from uh, Twitter from Frank Scavo, who asks, who asks from Twitter the question that I was thinking of asking next as well. So you're getting this from two, from two sides here. Uh, does Netflix have any on-premise systems left? And if so, what are they? And maybe you can explain why. Sure. So I think the goal for this year, for those who haven't seen the deck, is move 100% of corporate IT to public cloud. So the main stuff we have to move is uh, we want to move our print queues to Google Cloud Print and fully move away from Active Directory to one login as our cloud IDP. And then we're freeing up some of our NetApp filers and moving those to either Google Drive, Box, or uh, Maginatics, and using MagFS as a as filer as a service in the cloud. So it's really storage and a few other applications we have internally that we, we just need to migrate. So like our applicant tracking system that one of my teams wrote, uh, we'll be moving to the cloud this quarter. And we're re-architecting that as a result. You said one of the apps that my team wrote. Can you can you tell us the makeup of the 120 some odd folks that work for you, um, and how that makeup will change, if if at all, once you move 100% of corporate IT to to the cloud? Sure. So the makeup so it runs a gamut from what we call uh, client technology services, which is our our help desk and and frontline support, okay. to um, enterprise technology enterprise apps and platforms, uh, DBAs, cloud systems infrastructure and storage engineers, networking, information security, um, our HRIS team, which has helps with our talent team on the applicant tracking system, okay. 
uh, our financials ERP team, and uh, and then the ad tech team. Okay. And I don't think so. I tried to organize it that there aren't silos, so people work really cross-functionally, and and you can blend across. So information security and networking is is arguably tightly coupled. So how do they collaborate together and both have some expertise in the other area? So I don't think of moving to cloud really changing any of that. It's it's having people, like I said, that have uh, the skills to continually evolve and learn to new technology and be excited about it. Do you have uh, um, data, deep data analysts, uh, you know, deep skilled or data scientists, if, if you want to use the the title in, in, in your organization, or do they exist in other functions within Netflix? Uh, so there's a whole data science team that's outside of IT, okay. and then trying to apply some of their best practices internally with my database engineering team. Okay. Just at a smaller scale. And do they do they report to the to the CMO, or is there a chief digital officer at Netflix? Is there? Uh, there's not. So the, the data science team reports to our our VP of cloud infrastructure. Okay. Okay. And we do not have a, a we have a CMO, we don't have a chief digital officer. Okay. And uh, how, is he uh, or she the person that you you know collaborate most with in terms of different lines of business? Is is marketing again as as we all read there's a there's a strong need for the CIO and CMO to collaborate to to digitally transform the enterprise. Do you, do you find yourself working closely with the CMO more so than any other executive in, at Netflix? Um, I would say it, it definitely trends towards that. And okay. I think it probably will over time just as as we have a, a completely new marketing team and a, a fairly new CMO. I think he, Kelly's been here. I think he's been here a year, a year plus. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for CIOs out there to really understand the vast marketing landscape Hmm. I know it's pretty intimidating if you've ever seen the, the ad tech Lumascape graphic yeah. outlining all the technologies. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure one person can fully understand that landscape. <laughs> but I think the CIO should really try to and, and put themselves, you know, once again, out of their comfort zone and learn something new and see how they can help. Absolutely. Mike, you're, you're definitely very forward thinking in terms of a, a lot of the things that you're doing. But I'm wondering, what kind of challenges do you have? What do you find are resistance points, obstacles, problems, things that you that keep you up at night in trying to implement the vision that you've been talking about? I think the big challenge is just trying to move fast enough. You know, here in the Valley is even faster paced than a lot of other areas. And I'm also a fairly impatient person. So once we make a decision, I, I want to get it deployed quickly and move on. So I think trying to balance expectations with reality, and even in the era of uh, cloud computing, things still take time, and you need to also take a thoughtful approach to securing it. And I think with the recent breaches we've seen across various industries, that you need to spend a lot of time thinking about how do you secure these assets. So, so security is kind of a retarding factor or slowing factor. Uh, it's just another factor. I don't think it's a slowing factor. It's just something you need to think about with respect to performance and 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 usage and analytics. So it's a it's a key tenet of it. 
So it's something to keep apprised of, and it's always changing. What are some of the other slowing factors that exist in your world? Uh, thankfully, uh, there aren't a lot of slowing factors. Like we've moved as an org really quickly, and and trying to st you know stay ahead of the business growth and understanding you know, what's out in the future, while also keeping things running and operating now. So what's next? I mean, you know, any device, anywhere, anytime. Move the entire, you know, IT corp to 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 a cloud infrastructure by end of the year. When you think of and you look forward to, you know, what the 2015 or 16 goals. Do you have a sense of what disruptive technology or mass adoption will shape Netflix a year or two from now? I think I really want to push um, secure authentication. So if I talk about security and removing friction but adding security, let's get out of the username password world and move into um, we're moving some of our network to certificate-based auth, hmm. which supports mobility even better. So you have a device certificate and a user certificate because you have multiple devices. And then if you lose your device or change it, we just revoke that cert, but we don't have to touch your user certificate. And then we also can do some analytics around uh, anomaly detection and correlation. So as people become more mobile, we expect them to log in from different places, but we also want to keep um, somewhat tabs of that. How much of your time and resources uh, are focused on security issues? I mean, I'm thinking of the target break-in and the impact. I mean, you've got so many millions of subscribers. If uh, security breaks down, it's, it's obviously a nightmare. So how much of your effort as a company is focused on security? I think it's just always in the background uh, of you know, your thought process. I don't think we're, we're paranoid, and luckily we don't have point-of-sale systems like Target or Neiman to worry about. But it's, it's how do you, how do you um, provide a really flexible environment with also being secure and knowing what's going on without being um, draconian about it. So basically, it's part of the blood. Basically, it's part of your thinking all the time with, as you're, yeah, yeah, as you're I don't planning. It's, something I'm, it's not something I'm paranoid about, but it's also something uh, I don't ignore. Mm -hmm. So that constant balance of removing friction and ease of doing business and user experience, but at the same time, you know, back of your mind, you're always thinking about the integrity of the network and security and robustness of it. Yeah, and I think it's also about, for us, brand reputation. Right. So how do I take down phishing sites that, that, help, that hurt our brand, uh, especially as we become more and more of a global company? Right. What is the distribution of Netflix in terms of employees? Uh, geographic, uh, geographic distribution. So the main um, campus is here in Los Gatos, California. Uh -huh. And then we have a Beverly Hills office, which is a couple hundred and growing. We have a small DC office, um, a small office in Lux, and then some contracting offices in a couple other locations. But we're really we're really central here to the valley. Okay, and a good percentage telecommute, or are they physically in offices? Or? Uh, we're very much an in-person culture, so it's it's here okay. in the office. Okay. So you work with uh, a variety of cloud vendors that you mentioned several. What about startups? 
I, well, you mentioned you work with Box. I guess I guess one I get can consider them still a startup, even though uh, they're about to go public, and God knows how many billions they're they're valued at. But what about smaller startups? Do you work with smaller startups at all? Uh, absolutely. So you know, we get to see a lot of early technology here, and I think uh, a bunch of the stuff we're working on really needs a new way of thinking. So that's why it's fun to talk to the startups instead of the incumbents because they take a fresh approach to architecture. Mm -hmm. So if you talk about how do you secure a cloud environment, you can't deploy a firewall appliance, for example. Mm -hmm. There is no perimeter. There is no ingress, egress. So you have to take a completely different approach. So yeah, we, we definitely have a fairly huge appetite for working with startups. And much like um, interviewing an employee, I interview startups you know, based on A, technology, and then B, is it a team that we can really partner with? So getting out of the vendor relationship and really moving into the partner world. What do you look for? I mean, can you tell us what are the signs you're looking for that, that makes you uh, validate that this could be a startup that could have a long-term meaningful relationship with Netflix? Um, so I think a couple key attributes are focus. So are they trying to solve a very key problem and are they focused on it? Or are they going to bring in 20 people and they just want to land Netflix because we're a really great brand to land um, and have your logo? So do they understand the needs of the business and will they spend the time here really, really doing that? What advice do you have for established companies that are trying to, uh, you know, pitch their solution to, to you? Is it any different than the startup? Or, or, or? No, I think it, for both, it's, it's do your due diligence on both the company and then me. I think we're, we're fairly public about the fact we don't have data centers. So coming in and trying to send, sell me data center technology is, is not a good approach. Right, right. Understand your customer and don't take the shotgun approach to trying to get in here. So if a vendor comes to you and opens up the interview with uh, or pitch with, Mike, tell us about your pain points. <laughs> when, you, when you've written all these blogs and you're out there, that's probably not a good thing to do. That's not a good strategy in general. <laughs> That's another common thing that we've heard from CIOs is don't walk in there and ask me questions when, when especially if I'm a social CIO yeah. and I've blogged and you know do your homework. So hopefully vendors and startup folks that are watching the show, this is definitely a reoccurring theme. Do your homework. Um, and it maybe it goes back to your uh, context statement. You know, have an understanding of what your customers' needs are before before that first meeting. And, and don't try to trick us into taking a meeting either. That's not a good approach. <laughs> I could go into all the sales techniques for... Oh, do it. Tell us Tell us the yes. worst one. Like tell the us total some. obvious, uh, <laughs> you know, awful attempt to get a meeting. Uh, calling my admin and saying that you just were talking to me and got disconnected oh. and you put me through. <laughs> that, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, the, the replying to an email like I was actually involved in the thread earlier and forging the subject line is, is another fun approach. Yeah. And then just sending me a meeting invite, hopingly, hoping that I'll just accept it blindly. Those are all incredibly common. I have uh, experienced all three um, and a couple fairly regularly. So yeah. They must work somehow, but I don't know. I don't know how. It's like all those spam emails. How. You wonder who responds to these things, but obviously <laughs> some people do. Uh, well, we're just about out of time, unfortunately. It's been really interesting 
hearing about your approach to IT, which because I guess because you didn't come out of IT, you kind of figured it out in a sense as you went uh, in a common sense way based on the guiding principles in the culture code document. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, do what you think is right, uh, take ownership for it, execute, and then if if you do feel like it's failing or not the right approach, you know, change course fairly rapidly. Don't try to force it. That's great advice. That's so that's be the... really self-aware and business-aware. Hmm. So that's the summary of everything, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good summary, and it's a good you know guiding principle to to operate by. Fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, it's uh, obviously it's working really well for you uh, at Netflix, which is growing so incredibly rapidly, which obviously puts tremendous strain on IT, just like every other part of the company. So I don't view it as strain. I view it as opportunity. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, pragmatic optimism and a can-do attitude. Pragmatic optimism yeah. and a can-do <laughs> attitude. Well, <laughs> on that note, it is time to take this show to a close. And it has been great, Vala, seeing you, as always. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And we've been talking with Mike Kyle. Mike Kyle. Sorry about that, Mike. My apologies. I'm mispronouncing your name. With Mike Kyle, who is the CIO of Netflix. Mike, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. And thanks for you know, you know, your, your active uh, Twitter stream and all your, uh, all your words of wisdom. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, on April 22nd, Val and I are going to be doing a CXO Talk live event with a CIO Magazine in New York City. And we're looking for a really interesting CMO and or CDO, Chief Digital Officer, to join us on stage. So if you want to nominate somebody who's really good, please let us know. And with that, we'll say goodbye. And thank everybody for watching. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>